And you cannot even begin the journey of the blessing of God until you have joy. The joy of the Lord is what? Why do we sing? Why do we worship? Why do we clap our hands and everything before the message? I think a lot of people think, though, that's a Christian way of doing it, and we just sing and dance and everything to make sure everybody has time to park their car and put their kids in the nursery so you're finally here and we can receive your offering. (laughs) Remember the teaching, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You enter in with praise and thanksgiving. And I just read this. Ancient Jewish wisdom says that the person who has joy will learn more in one hour than a person without joy will learn in several weeks. Now, why is that important? Because the Bible says the truth that you understand, that truth will bring the freedom of God in every area of your life. And so that's why God says, when you come into my house, sing with a loud voice, shout with the voice of triumph. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Clap your hands, all you people. The Bible says when you begin to sing and shout and praise and laugh and clap your hands, that that joy that you feel will cause you to learn more in one hour than what we could learn in several weeks. And I'll tell you, in the last days, God wants to open our eyes. Can I have an amen? He wants to open our eyes. Today is the day of Pentecost, or in Hebrew, the day of Shavuot. And on Pentecost, or on Shavuot, is a a phenomenal, phenomenal revelation of the appointed time that we have on God's calendar. God says, is there not an appointed time? Is there not a time that I appoint on my calendar? God is God 24-7. He brings miracles. He opens the, the, the blessings of God 24-7. But in saying that, we need to understand that there are times on God's calendar There are appointments. In Hebrew, it's the word moedim. There are appointments that God has that he does more at that time than any other time of the year. He does greater miracles. That's why the Bible says, call on the Lord while he is near. Well, he's there all the time. But there are seasons that the God of healing or the God of prosperity or the God of joy or the God of the Holy Spirit or the God of whatever. It's just like the sun shines all the time. The S-U-N shines almost all the time. But there are times that the S-U-N is nearer. The sun is always there, but there are times the sun is closer. Do you understand what I'm saying? This right now is one of those appointed times one of those seasons in which God is closer in certain areas than any other time of the year. That's the Old Testament. That's not for us. We're not under the curse of the law, the curse of the Jewish law. And then in the same breath, the goat, now as we receive our tithes and offerings, remember, if you don't tithe, you're cursed with a curse. Now, I don't know what book they're reading, but Malachi is what we call the Old Testament. But they love to emphasize cursed with a curse. 
But today, I want you to realize that in Jesus Christ, you are not cursed with a curse, but you are blessed with a blessing. And I'm going to show you something today that is going to bless you with a blessing. Because when the Messiah comes, when Jesus returns, we're not going out bruised, busted, and disgusted. We're going out the head and not the tail. You're going out the lender, not the borrower. You're going out above, not beneath. And we are in a time and an appointed time that God will open the windows of heaven. Can I have an amen? Read with me in the book of Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Now, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Number one, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now, why does it say fully come? Because in the time of Jesus, in the time of the Holy Spirit being poured out, there was a question on which day was the day that God would release his spirit. Now, the word Pentecost is a Greek word. It's not a Hebrew word. And Jesus didn't teach in Greek. Jesus didn't speak in Greek. Jesus spoke Hebrew or Western Aramaic. Pentecost means 50, but that's not a original word in the Bible. That's a Greek word that the church gave later. The original word is the word Shavuot. And the word Shavuot means weeks. When God delivered Israel out of Egypt, that's Passover. That's Resurrection Sunday. That's the day in which we celebrate Jesus dying on the cross and receiving him as Lord and Savior. That's the day in which Israel had been in bondage and in slavery and limitations. And they took the blood of the lamb and they put it on the door. That's Passover. That's what the church calls Easter. From that day until the outpouring of the Spirit is called Shavuot, seven weeks, or the celebration, the festival of weeks. Why did God wait to give the Torah on Mount Sinai? Why did God wait to pour out his spirit? Why did God wait seven weeks? Here's a great answer. When Israel was in Egypt, they had been slaves for almost 200 years. They didn't understand abundance. They didn't understand goodness. They didn't understand blessing. All they understood was hard taskmasters. All they understood was, was, was bitterness. All they understood was slavery. All they understood was limitation and starvation and cruelty. And God had to give them seven weeks in order to change their spirit so that they realize we're not serving this world. We're not serving Egypt. We're not serving man, but we are serving Almighty God, and our God is a good God. Our God is a wonderful God. Our God is a blessing God. And it took them seven weeks to go through that. Now, in the seven-week period, the Bible says that each week, or ancient Jewish wisdom says each week, something inside of us changes. You know, when you're a slave, you end up hoarding things. 
When you've been under cruelty, you end up being cruel. And so for seven weeks, we're to look at our lives and make sure that we're kind and we're generous and we're loving and we're forgiving. We're not to be, the world may be cruel and the world may be stingy, but not the children of God. We're to be, we are made in the image of God. We are to be like Jesus. Can I have an amen? And so after six of these weeks, we're to be more kind and more generous and more forgiving. But here's the interesting thing. On the seventh week, it's not about a character that we do, but it's a way we see ourselves. And the seventh week is the week of majesty or the week of kingship. And that means two things. Number one is when God blesses you, Make sure that you remember that it's the Lord who gives you power to gain wealth. Make sure you understand. And as David said, Lord, remind me of the pit from which I was dug. Make sure that when you're up there in business and you're up there financially, you still act kind and you still act loving. You know, the the Bible says the greater God lifts you up, the more of a servant you need to be. As a pastor, the more God blesses me, the kinder I need to act and the more loving I need to act as someone who who is blessed financially you need to make sure you don't forget where you came from and you make sure you treat people who are working for you the way you want people to treat you this is kingship can I have an amen but the second part of the seventh week the majesty is to make make sure you realize that you are majestic You're not a slave anymore. You're not a nobody. You're not some loser. You are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. You are more than a conqueror. You are the son of almighty God. You are the daughter of almighty God. And God says, I don't want you to act like you're a slave. I don't want you to act beat up. I don't want you to act downtrodden. I want you to hold your head up high and say, I am proud to be born again. I am not a loser. I am more than a conqueror. I'm a winner in everything I do. Somebody shout amen. Guys, this is it. We're going out the head and not the tail. We're going out the lender, not the borrower. Pick yourself up. You're not a loser. You're a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Walk like it. Somebody's going to get blessed. Somebody's going to have debts canceled. Somebody's going to own their own business. Somebody's going to be rich. Might as well be us. Isn't that a great teaching? So when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they'd gone through understanding I need to be generous and I need to be kind. You know, Christians ought to be nice people. Pastors ought to be nice people. But the end of it is, is walk like a king. You're a child of God. If you'll lift yourself up and say, you know what? It doesn't matter what happened in the first half of my life. This next half is going to be wonderful. Doesn't matter what happened in the first eight innings. This last inning, God is going to pour out his spirit. Signs and wonders and miracles are going to take place. Not only in the church, but in your life and in your family and in your finances. God says this is the last inning and it's going to 
be greater than anything anybody's seen before. Somebody give him praise and glory. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, the Bible says they were all in one place and in one accord. Now, I'm going to blow some religious bubbles here. When the Holy Spirit fell, they were not in the upper room. The upper room in Jerusalem or where they think the upper room was. So when they all began to speak in other tongues and everybody heard them, they were not separate. The followers of Jesus were not separate from the Jewish people. They were in the temple, in the room where the people gathered. And while they were in the room, the Holy Spirit fell and they began to speak with other tongues. Now, why is this important? Because the Bible says they all, not just the disciples of Jesus, but they all were there together for one reason. The reason was is because this was the day in which Jews would come from around the world. That's another reason why it says when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Because there were the Babylonian following Jews. There were the Jerusalem following Jews. There were the Pharisees following Jews. And there was the Sadducees following Jews. And sometimes their days were one day off. So it didn't matter. They were all there at the same time from all over the world. Because this was one of God's Moedims. This was one of God's appointed times when God would open the windows of heaven over all their people let me read let me read for you in deuteronomy chapter 16 let me read this to you in verse 1 it says observe the month of abib and keep the passover the lord your god for in the month of abib the lord your god brought you out of egypt by night therefore you shall sacrifice the passover to the lord your god from the flock of the herd in the place where the Lord chooses to put his name. Verse 9. You shall count seven weeks from Passover to Shavuot Pentecost for yourself to begin the count for seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle in the grain. Verse 16. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place he has chosen at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot Pentecost, and at the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. The reason why they were all there at that time, including the followers of Jesus, is because God commanded his people to come before the Lord three times a year during Passover, during Pentecost or Shavuot and during the Feast of Tabernacles and these three times a year you are to bring a special offering and when you bring this offering there will be certain miracles on Passover certain miracles today on Pentecost and certain miracles in the Feast of Tabernacles you know when the the teachers of the New Testament were teaching something they were not teaching something new the bible says the old testament or the torah is a shadow of things to come so when we have jesus teaching or paul teaching or peter teaching they are saying something for the most part the jewish people who understood things 
that the church doesn't necessarily understand. When the Bible says some 30, some 60, some 100-fold are literally unlimited potential, he didn't just make that up. He, he wasn't a, a, an evangelist saying, I'm just going to make something up here or I'm just going to say something. He was teaching something that you and I need to grab a hold of. Passover brings 30. Pentecost brings 60. And Feast of Tabernacles brings unlimited blessing. And unless we understand this, we miss what God is about to do in our lives. Now, let me show you something. Do you have your Bibles? Go with me to the book of Malachi. And I was just going to read it, but I want you to read it with me. Because so many people need to understand that if you're listening to this, if you're, whether you're here or by stream, ancient Jewish prophecy says in the very last days there will be Gentiles that God chooses. Now, the reason I want you to hear that is because if you're here or you're watching you didn't choose to be here. You didn't choose the watch. God chose you. He chose you because he will use these Gentiles whose eyes will be open to bring such a blessing and favor of God that the blessing, which is what we call the latter rain, guys, the blessing will get so many, will get the world's attention and it will bring Jew and Gentile together back. And when that happens, the Messiah will return. Malachi 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord God and I do not change. Therefore, you're not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my teachings and have not kept them. Return teshuvah unto me and I will teshuvah unto you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, in what way shall we return? God says, will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. And therefore you are cursed with a curse. You have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And prove me now, and this says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine have failed to bear fruit, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations, all the world, all the nations will look at the blessing of God on your life and say, you are truly blessed by Almighty God. God says here, return unto me. They said, well, Lord, how do we return? Now, you would think God would say, well, return by not worshiping idols or not doing this or not doing that. But his response was, return to me and I'll return to you. How do we return? And he says, in tithes and in offerings. We know what the tithe is. But the offering we've missed because we've been taught to read the Bible through the eyes of a Gentile Jesus instead of a Jewish Jesus. Now, if you read what comes right before that, he says, number one, there will be a judgment on those who are the priests, or in our case, the pastors, who are taking offerings illegitimately. Conning people. That's what the word taking the Lord's name in vain means. The number one Hebrew understanding of taking the Lord's name in vain means to defraud people financially by saying God said. 
So this is something I'm very conscious of. That when, when it comes to receiving an offering, I better be above honest. So first off, he says there's going to be a judgment on those who are taking the offering. But the second taught, since the destruction of the temple, almost 2,000 years, we are that fulfillment. Us and the people around the world that God is, is, is speaking to, we are those who are going to see that end time transfer of wealth. And I declare to you, I believe what many of the rabbis are saying, that God is looking at, and they know it's going to be Gentiles. They know it's going to be Christians who are going to do this. These Christians will increase in wealth, increase in power, increase in favor, and they will never go through the valley again, and it will get the world's attention. Listen to me. The world needs to know it's not Wall Street that's going to bail us out. It's not Washington that's going to bail us out. It's not any system of man that's going to bail us out. But he is still Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He is still Almighty God. And he still has a people that will be vessels of honor. And he will pour out his anointing. And the latter rain shall be greater than the former. Can I have an amen? Malachi does say you're cursed with a curse. Now, why does it say that? You're not going to be cursed with a curse. You'll be blessed with a blessing. But where does curse with a curse come from? Well, let me show you this real quick. That in, in the time of the Shavuot or the first fruit offering, Pentecost, they would they would bring several different kinds of offerings they would bring they were required to bring seven of the fruits of of israel the olive uh the pomegranate the grape and and uh the fig and each one of these represents a certain blessing it represents a blessing on your health a blessing on your family a blessing on your children it's an amazing study in itself they were required way back then to bring seven things that would release the blessing. Get ready for every blessing to be released into your life. So along with the seven fruits, we were taught to bring two loaves of wheat bread, of challah bread, two loaves. And in that, when you brought the offering, you placed it in the hands of the priest and he would put it in the basket and it's called the heave offering. And he would heave it up. But here's the amazing thing. The wheat represents prosperity. Yes, God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. God wants to release the gifts of the Spirit. Raise up apostles and prophets and and prophetesses. He's going to do that. The anointing is is not even close to limited to the pulpit. The anointing is on the people to do signs and wonders and miracles and change the world. And so that's all involved with it. But along with Pentecost, this is the time of prosperity. This is when God begins you on your journey of prosperity for the whole rest of the year. And so they're required not only the fruit, which represents the fruit of the Spirit, the blood of Jesus, but the wheat, which represents prosperity. Now, in Egypt, they gave a barley offering. The barley offering was because they were still in Egypt and they were still under the mentality of Pharaoh runs our lives. Barley is what you gave the animals, but wheat is what you give the children of the king.
they would bring their offering and the priest would lift it up and he would he would heave it to the north to the south to the east and to the west because he's saying there will be no direction in which your blessing will be limited it will come from the north it will come from the south you think the blessing's coming over here and when it doesn't come don't worry about it it's going to come from this way don't limit how god will bless you but here's the curse with the curse then they would they would take the prosperity north south east and west no limit to how i'm going to be blessed but then they would take the heave offering and they would lift it towards heaven and then they would lift it towards earth why because god said when you're in covenant with me i will give you favor from god and i will give you favor from man your favor will come from heaven and your favor will come from earth your boss will walk up to you and say i don't know why i'm doing this but i'm going to make you a part you're the best worker i've ever had you're going to have relatives to say you know what i decided i was going to give you something when i died but i decided to give you something now there's no limit in which way your blessing will come there'll be no limit from heaven and there'll be no limit from earth what is god saying when you return unto me i'm going to return unto you and you are going to be that people that will have unlimited anointing and unlimited favor from the north the south the east and the west and from god and man there is no more limit when we don't know this we don't have a blessing from heaven we're cursed we don't have a blessing on earth we're cursed but i'm here to tell you jesus didn't just die to get us to heaven but he died on the cross to break every curse he shed his blood to release every blessing it's your turn it's your turn somebody give him praise and glory You need to walk like a king. You need to walk like a queen. You need to walk like like a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Anything you ask the Father, it is the Father's good pleasure. He's not on a budget. He's not broke. He's not stingy. He's not worried about tomorrow. You need to start calling it in. Today is my day to have a breakthrough. Somebody say amen. They were instructed how to make their loaves of challah. They were to take the flour and they were to rub it and they were to beat it. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. He is the unleavened bread of God. Can I have an amen? They were to rub the wheat to make it as fine as possible. They were to rub it 300 times. They were to bruise it or beat it 500 times. 300 plus 500. As they brought their offering, God was saying, 800 times I will bring you. Eight is the number of new beginnings. I will bring you a new beginning more than once a day. I will bring you a new beginning more than seven times a week. Every time you turn around, whether you're going to the north, the south, the east, and the west, whether it's coming from heaven or from earth below, I'm in every area going to give you multiplied new beginnings. It is your day in your finances, in your family, in your health, in your ministry, in your life. A new beginning in every area. Somebody shout amen. But watch this. They were to rub it 300 times in their hands. They were to beat it 500 times under their feet. 
Jesus was nailed to a cross because he said, everything you put your hands to, I'm going to cause it to prosper. He was nailed in his feet because every place you put the sole of your foot, I'm going to give it to you for an inheritance. You need to rise up and you need to say, devil, I don't care what happened yesterday. I don't care what you did a week ago. But today, through the blood of Jesus and through the lifting up of my offering, I have a new beginning every moment of every day he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised to break every curse today if you'll receive it God will give you a new beginning in everything you do